Amen. Boy, I tell you, in this Thanksgiving season, something we have to be thankful for here at our church is how many people God's blessed us with wonderful musical talents. Amen. Uh, we have a riches here of that, of, of pianists and musicians and singers. And boy, you ought to thank God that for this morning. Uh, some churches, you don't have that. And I'm thankful God's blessed us with so many who want to serve God with those talents. And who knows? Uh, there may be more of you out there that are sitting on a musical talent that you need to use for the Lord. Brother Travis is shaking his head, yes, so evidently he wants to sing. And uh, Brother Zach, get him in the choir, amen. But boy, I'm thankful for our church today, aren't you? Uh, boy, we're not a perfect church, and this church doesn't have a perfect pastor by any means. But boy, if you're a part of a good church, that's something to be thankful for. As we go to this Thanksgiving season, I, I talked to our class this morning in Sunday school. You ought to just stop. I know we got a lot going on, family to feed, you know, family to go see, and, and crisscrossing the country, uh, visiting folks, eating more turkey than we need to, right? Uh, you know, you might be good just to sit out one of those turkey meals and think about how good God's been to you. You're not going to preach on that this morning, but what a blessing it would be for you just to pause and realize God's been good to us in light of all that's going on in our world, maybe even struggles you've had in your life. The Bible says, we talked about it this morning, in everything, give thanks. That even through the tough times, God can use those for, uh, for our good and for his glory. But we got to pause. We are so busy in our society, have so much going on and things to do and places to go. And sometimes I believe we fail to really just acknowledge what God's doing and has done in our life. And one of those things is just to be able to come to church. Amen, Miss Mary. I saw Miss Mary Hillman sitting over there a minute ago. And uh, she hasn't been able to come for a while. And boy, she wants to be here. You know, a lot of times when people are out of church, uh, they really don't want to be here, just to be honest with you, and uh, they'll use that hangnail they got on their, their small toe as a reason not to come, and, but there's a lot of people when they're sick and they're down, they want to be here so bad, and Miss Mary stopped by and visited us the other day in the office and told us she's going to get around to seeing us as soon as she could get back to it, and good to see you here today, glad to have you here. If you're visiting with us today, thank you for coming, and uh, I told Brother Nate a while ago, every year there's like this sweepstakes during Thanksgiving time. That some of our people go out of town, and I know a lot of our folks are out today, and, and you always wonder who's going to win the sweepstakes. Uh, is our church going to end up on the plus side because we got family coming from out of town, or is our church going to end up on the negative side because more of our people left town? And I feel like, Brother Nate, you're right. I think we may have won out on the sweepstakes this year uh, by visitors being here today. If you're here today and you're visiting, we thank you so much for coming. We're glad you're here, and I hope I'll get to visit with you here in just a few minutes there in the foyer. But before then, we have one more thing we need to cover, and that's the preaching. So let's take our Bibles out this, this morning, turn to your toward the back of the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter number five. First Peter chapter number five, when you find it, let's stand together and not going to be preaching a Thanksgiving message this morning, but I guess anytime we open the word of God, that's to be thankful for. And so I'm thankful we have a copy of the word to get into this morning. And first Peter chapter five, we're going to read about uh, three verses, verse eight, nine, and 10, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. First uh, Peter chapter five, familiar passage, verse eight is one that uh, I think we memorize a lot when we're kids and teenagers and what a great truth there is, but well, there's a lot of good context here uh, in verse nine and verse number 10. We'll read that and we'll pray and let you be seated. Uh, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. 
To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray now. Let's ask the Lord to help us. I want to encourage you this morning. Let's open up our hearts and minds to receive what God has for us. Father, I do thank you for Central Baptist Church. Thank you for the privilege to be a member here. Thank you, Father, for our people. Lord, how faithful they are to come. And Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for the good singing we've already heard and the time of Sunday school we've already had. What a blessing that is. And Lord, now as we come to the preaching, I'm going to go ahead and thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do through it. And Lord, I look forward to how your spirit works through your word in my heart and through the hearts of all that are here and maybe watching on live stream today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Give us clarity of speech. Give us liberty, courage, and boldness to say exactly what you'd have the way you'd have us to say it. And then during the invitation time, I pray that we go ahead and decide that whatever, Father, you lead us to do, we're going to be obedient to that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If I had to narrow down this morning uh, what questions I'm asked probably the most, uh, you'd be amazed at sometimes the questions the pastor get asked. Some are comical. Uh, some are quite serious. Some I have answers for and sometimes I don't have answers for. Uh, but probably if I could narrow down uh, the questions that have been asked most the last two or three years in spite of all that we've been going through in the world uh, are questions that people come and ask about what the road ahead looks like in our country. Uh, things that we're going to face and what I think uh, uh, was going to happen up in Washington, particularly after this election. had a lot of questions and concerns and theories about the road ahead. What does things look like for the church? Do we think we'll have an opportunity for revival or are we about to go into uh, a time of, of chastening from the Lord and judgment from the Lord? And uh, unfortunately, I don't have those answers and I think you probably already know you're not going to find them on the news. Amen. Uh, sometimes the best thing we can do is just turn that off because uh, all they're going to do is speculate and stir up our flesh and uh, weaken our spirit. But I am thankful this morning that God has given us his word that we can go to and we can not find speculation, but we can find certainty about the road ahead and what we're facing right now in our present and what we will face in the future in our country. You say, well, I've read my Bible. It's hard to find America in the Bible. Yes, it is, uh, and that is a frightening thought, that it's hard to find America in the Bible. Uh, but I do think we can find what lies ahead for us as the people of God. And if you're not a child of God and you've not been born again, well, I want to encourage you to get saved as soon as possible. Uh, that way you can have the hope and security that we find in God's Word. In 1 Peter 5, I believe we're going to see a little bit of that in the context this morning. When you begin studying when First Peter was written, you're going to find it was written to the believers uh, who are going to suffer through the worst part of Nero's reign. Now, we know who Nero was. Uh, he was a maniac, and Nero was going to drastically persecute the church. He's going to persecute God's people. Uh, we know the history that Rome has burned, uh, and he's going to use the church as a scapegoat for that. And then here comes God, and he gives us 1 Peter, and he gave those people 1 Peter. Uh, and what he did through that was he was preparing them for the persecution that they were going to go through. And the beautiful picture we're going to see today is that God was preparing them to live through what they were going to go through. Now, the good news is I don't know what we're going to face. We very well could face troubles and trials in this country. I believe if you try to live for God, the Bible says that all that will live godly will suffer persecution. The Bible's clear about that. And we know the road's not always going to be rosy. We know it's not always going to be smooth. But here's the good news. The good news is that God's preserved in his word for us how we can live through the difficult times that we may face in our life. 
I don't know about you, I like being an optimist. I really do. Uh, I don't like being around pessimists, all right? If you're a pessimist, I'll shake your hand. We can get to know each other. But I'm probably not going to invite you to go fishing, just to be honest with you. Who wants to go fishing with a pessimist, just to be honest? Uh, I don't want to go hunting with a pessimist. I probably don't even want to share a burger with a pessimist. I believe as God's people, we ought to be optimistic about the future because for the child of God, the future's bright. All right, we know that for all is said and done, we're going to be spending eternity in, our heaven with our, in heaven with our Father. And so I believe you ought to be an optimist this morning, but I believe God's Word gives us a reason. When you read 1 Peter chapter 5, he's going ahead and laying out for them uh, the troubles that they're going to face and difficulties. Now, when we face trouble, what's the temptation? The temptation is to be fearful. The temptation is to doubt. The temptation is to worry. The temptation is to be confused and to have anger. But what 1 Peter 5 is all about is God's telling them to keep on living. You know, that's a hallmark of our God, by the way, life. What did he say in John 10? I'm come that you might have life. That's life in Christ, eternal life through Christ. But then after we get saved, what does he want? He wants us to live an abundant life. What a blessing. Hey, this, like, this is not shallow, easy believism. This is the truth from the word of God that the reason that God sent his only begotten son is so that you could have life and eternal life and then after you're saved, an abundant life. What a blessing that in spite of my circumstances, I mean, listen, we may not have the greatest leadership up there in Washington and no, I'm not asking for your opinion on it because uh, I probably know what your opinion is on it, but I promise you we don't have a Nero up there and yet God gave them what they needed to know in order to live through the times they were going to go through regardless of circumstance. Now, this morning, we're going to look at three simple things. Verse 8 has one thing, verse 9, and then verse 10 has one thing. The Word of God is showing us some lessons to live by, and that's what we're going to preach on this morning. Lessons to live by. I want you to know whether you're here and you've never trusted Christ, God wants you to live. Amen? He not only wants you to live in this life, He wants you to live in the next. If you're saved here this morning, listen. I don't know what the road ahead has. I don't know what we're going to go through. I know before all is said and done, things are going to get tough for God's people. God's word's clear about that. But can I tell you, in spite of all of that, my Father wants me to live on anyway. And 1 Peter 5 shows us some beautiful truths on how we can live through whatever comes our way. And can I tell you, this doesn't just include society. This could include personal tragedy. This could include personal trial. This could include financial difficulty. This could include sorrow of heart. God wants you to live, and he gives us in his word some wonderful lessons to live by. So let's look at them this morning. I hope this will be an encouragement to you. Verse 8, I want you to notice it begins with a warning. The Bible says, be sober. Now you're thinking, well, that doesn't count for me because I don't drink, all right? Well, I'm glad you don't drink, but there's something more to it than that. It means being sober-minded, clear-minded. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, if you're going to live through these times, you need to be aware of what's going to threaten that. And there's three lessons I want to show you. And the first lesson is in verse number 8. I want you to know this lesson that deals with the roaring lion. The first lesson deals with the roaring lion. Now, if you're going to be prepared for what's coming, you need to have an idea about what's coming, right? 
Uh, I mean, look, we live here in, uh, uh, in, what is it called, Dixie Alley, where tornadoes come through here from time to time. Remember back in 2020, it seems like every Sunday morning there was a tornado coming through here. And so because you know tornadoes come through here, some of you have storm shelters. Uh, I don't have one yet. I have a bathtub uh, and a pillow. That's my storm shelter. Jump in the bathtub. I'm not quite sure why we jump in the bathtub. I just heard that that's what some folks do and put the pillow over our head. We've even gotten the closet before, all right? We know those things are coming, so we prepare for them. Some of you got a bike helmet, don't you? Amen. I saw the guy on the Weather Channel. He says, put on your bike helmet. You might look goofy, but it just might save your life. Now, when you know it's coming, you know what to prepare for in order to keep you safe. The Bible says in verse number eight, here's a good lesson to live by, and it's the lesson of the roaring lion. Now, God is comparing Satan to a roaring lion. I want you to think about this. He could have just said that Satan is like a lion, but he didn't say lion. He says a roaring lion. There's a reason God put that word in there. I've studied many years uh, on this verse. Many times I've preached on it, on why lions roar. It's quite interesting. Lions roar because they're territorial. All right, they're territorial. I have been to Africa, and I've heard lions roar. And I want you to know, it'll send goosebumps down your spine, all the way down to that little pinky toe when you hear a lion roar. And what a lion is roaring about is he's letting everybody in the area know this is his area, this is his territory, get out of the way. And the Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion. Now, here's what Peter's doing. Through the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, he's telling the people that are going to go through the difficult times, he says, in order to be prepared, you need to know where you're living. You're living in the territory of this roaring lion. Now, folks, if you're not careful, you'll get busy with life. We're all busy, aren't we? Places to go. Our kids are busy. I mean, it's the holidays. We have these maps. I mean, spreadsheets. We're going to grandma's for breakfast and mom and dad's for lunch and then leftovers at my brother and sister's. And we got all of that mapped out. If you're not careful, you'll get busy with what's going on in the world and you'll forget where you're living. You are living as a child of God in the territory of a roaring lion. Now, why does the Bible tell us that? It's a lesson for how you need to live understanding that you are in Satan's territory as a child of God. Uh, I love to travel, and in my travels across this beautiful country from coast to coast and top to bottom, uh, I've been in several different geographical areas of things we don't have here in Mississippi. I got to thinking about some of the warning signs I've seen through the years. I remember at Yellowstone, I saw a warning sign that says, you are in Buffalo Territory. If you've ever been, amen, you've been to Yellowstone, uh, they're not joking. Those buffalo are worth more than the people. We sat there one time, an hour and a half, waiting for one buffalo to make up his mind that he was going to cross the road. So why did the buffalo cross the road? I don't know. It took him an hour and a half to get there. He must have been scared. He just stood there. They come up by your car, and they show you this picture of a buffalo goring somebody. That's not something I have to worry about here in Mississippi. I don't see any buffalo territory signs, but when I'm there, I have to be careful. Why? Because I'm in his territory. I've been up in the Smokies before, and we see those signs that says, you're in bear country. You're in bear country. Now, that's probably meant to scare us off, but we're kind of rednecks around here, and we're like, no, great, I want to see a bear. And so we hang around the areas where they say it's bear country. We have to be careful. Why? We're in their territory. I found this one quite interesting. Several years ago, I was in Alberta, up Canada, uh, and I saw a sign that says, avalanche zone. 
You know, I've never seen one of those. I don't think I want to experience one of those. I never have to worry about that here in Mississippi, right? Uh, as, far, as far as I know, we don't have avalanches around here. Maybe a kudzu avalanche from time to time, but that's just about it. But this one really took the cake. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were in San Francisco and got out of our car, and we saw this sign. I think I have a picture of it. I'll show it to you. Uh, it said, safety alert, avoid smash and grabs. Everywhere we seemingly went in California, there were warnings that we were in a smash and grab area. It says, take your belongings. Why? People will smash your window out and grab all of your belongings. And so I did what, what you would do. I took my spam and my beef jerky and all of those things. I put it in my pocket. I don't want to break into my car and stealing those things out. Now, why do they put those signs there? Why do they have the avalanche and the buffalo signs? Why do they have all of those signs out there? They're trying to prepare you. Why? Because they want you to live, Right? And when you observe the signs and realize the territory you're in, you're able to prepare so that you might live. Amen? I don't know about you. I want to live. And God's word reminds us that you and I, as a child of God, we are in the territory of a roaring lion. Now, we're talking about spiritual warfare for a few moments. You say, you know what? I didn't come here today to be made to feel uncomfortable. Well, you know, I I don't feel comfortable realizing I'm in an avalanche zone. I really didn't feel comfortable in California realizing I was in a smash and grab zone just about everywhere that I went. I mean, look, I went to a Mexican restaurant. Me and the preacher were there, and he says, hey, you need to go to your car and get your briefcase. I says, why? He says, they'll bust out your window and steal your briefcase. I says, at a restaurant? He says, yeah. So I could walk in the restaurant with my briefcase. I had to prepare for the environment that I was in. Can I tell you, child of God, the reason verse 8 is there is your father wants you to live. But in order for you to live in spite of what goes on, you've got to understand the territory you're in. That we're in the territory of a spiritual roaring lion. That word, look at the end of that verse, verse 8. The Bible says, seeking whom he may devour. That word devour means overwhelm. If you're not aware this morning of where we are at, if you don't realize the world that you're living in, that we are living in spiritual wickedness, that we're living in spiritual darkness, it's going to overwhelm you and overwhelm your children and your home. I believe we've gotten so comfortable in this world that we forget that we're in the territory of a lion. I believe this morning, uh, the reason we see such a high Christian casualty rate, why we lose so many of our homes, and we lose our young people, and we lose our churches, and we lose our country, I believe it's because we have forgotten where we're living. We're living in the territory of a roaring lion. I remember as a kid, there was a, a serial killer on the loose in Covington County. Uh, he killed several people, and everybody was on edge. Anybody remember that? Maybe back in the 90s. Uh, and he was wandering around the woods out there. And uh, I remember I was scared to death just to walk to church. Why? Because there was someone on the loose who wanted to take my life, and because I like to live. You know, I know that's odd, but I do enjoy living. I enjoy life. I knew that I had to prepare for that. Why? Because that was on the loose. And yet what Satan desires for all of us, far exceeds what any serial killer could do. And yet we don't prepare. We don't live by the lessons the Bible reminds us about this roaring lion. Now, why is that? Why is that? Well, you and I are creatures of comfort. We are creatures of comfort. Uh, I want to give you a favor this morning. Uh, If you want to write this down, you can write this down. Husbands, this might help you just a little bit. Uh, I went and did some research on the top Christmas gifts for this year. All right, I did some homework for you, so uh, hang on. You might get a little help today. 
Good Housekeeping gave their list out this year of their top orders based on five-star reviews from Amazon. Their number one right now on the Better Home or the Good Housekeeping is they're called Cloud Slides. Anybody have any of those? They're slippers. They look like slippers that you would wear if you were ever incarcerated, but evidently that's the number one gift that they have on their website right now. Is it how do you know that? I've preached in jails. I've never worn them before, okay? It's called cloud slides. They're these white slippers that look like you got them from the county lockup, but that's the number one Christmas gift for this year that they've got out there. The number two Christmas gift on the good housekeeping list this year is the DIY slushy maker for kids. Uh, it's a cup that somehow you put ice and Kool-Aid in it, and somehow it magically makes a slushy and saves mom and dad from going down to the 7-Eleven to get them a slushy. So you have a DIY slushy maker. And then for ladies, the third thing on their list is gold hoop earrings. With over 30,000 five-star views. Guys, it must be working, all right? It didn't say it had to be pure gold. It could just look gold. Maybe that's just brass for you, you know, but whatever works, it seems like that's the gift for this year. And I thought about that as I looked over the list. I thought about one makes you feel good, one tastes good, and one makes you look good. You think about it. We are creatures of comfort, aren't we? We want comfortable shoes. We want to look good. We like to eat things that taste good. And after a while, we've built an entire life about what makes us feel good. And if you're not careful, that will infiltrate your life spiritually. And then suddenly, you've made yourself at home in this world, you're comfortable in this world, and you're primed to be devoured by the roaring lion. Don't get me wrong, I like being comfortable. Don't get me wrong, I like settling in, I like not worrying. But if your creature comforts distract you from your Christian character, you're going to get to a place where you're primed for a satanic attack in your life. That's why God says, here's a lesson to live by, verse 8. Don't forget about the roaring lion. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Why do you think Demas forsook Paul? Why do you think Demas left Paul? Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He wanted to be comfortable. He wanted to be comfortable. Do you know if you try to live a life pleasing to God, you're not always going to be comfortable in this life. I would love to tell you the closer you get to God, the easier things are going to be, the less stress you're going to have, the less persecution you're going to have. It's not true. Look, and by the way, anybody that tells you that's lying to you because the closer you get to God, the more of a target you become for the lion. But the good news is this morning, my God gives me instructions on how to live through it anyway. But here's our problem. We like to be comfortable, don't we? Why did the prodigal son go into the far country? He thought it was a more comfortable fit. Man, that would make me feel good. And look, he didn't go over there because it was going to be hard. Do you think he went over there because he thought, you know what? I really need to earn some character in my life, and so I'm going to go over there and work hard. No, he went over there, the Bible says, for riotous living. He went over there because of what made him feel good. Now, listen to me. I like feeling good. I like being comfortable, but be careful getting comfortable in this world. Why? Because we're living in a world where the God of this world is a roaring lion, and the more comfortable you get, the greater the chance you have of being attacked. As God's people this morning, we're missing this thing. We want to be friends with the world. Why do we leave church? Why do we get out? Look, I'll knock on people's doors. I'll meet somebody I've never met before. And I'll say, hey, I'm from Central Baptist Church. I just want to stop by and invite you to go to church. Uh, if you don't have a church hall, I'll say, do you go to church anywhere? And they'll say, um, no, I used to, but I don't anymore. And I says, well, well, what got you out? You know, trying to strike up uh, just small talk. And I say, well, and it's amazing how many times you hear the words, 
I didn't like. I didn't like this. I didn't feel this. You see, we leave even good churches at times. Why? Because we get uncomfortable. We are creatures of comfort who want to be. I don't want to be felt uncomfortable. Can I tell you, I would rather be uncomfortable in a good church where I learn about the lions than to be at ease in a church where I'm lied about it and lose my family. I'd rather be in a church where I learn there's a lion there, there's a lion there. Hey, you may have a lion in your house. You may have a lion in your refrigerator. You have a lion uh, in your DVD case. Hey, I'd rather be in a place where I feel uncomfortable about hearing the truth. Why? Because that's how I live than to be lied to and set at ease in comfort and not know the truth at all. We've got to get to the place as God's people where comfort is not how we make decisions. My dad said years ago when he was preaching, I think I was about 19, I wrote it down the back of my first preaching Bible. He says, Christians make decisions based on taste rather than nutrition. That was good. You, look, you know it wasn't for me. It was, it was sharp. Christians make decisions based on taste rather than nutrition. If it was up to my daughter and she's helping in children's church this morning so I can talk about her. She'd eat Sonic grilled cheeses all the time. Why? Because she loves the taste. But I checked out the nutritional value on that, and they're not too sharp, not too good for you. And folks, if you're not careful, you're going to start living your life by your comfort and ease and desire. And what you're doing is, watch, that comfort and ease is settling you down in a world that's run by a roaring lion. And he's just setting you up to be what? To be devoured. You notice the first part of verse 8, the Bible says, be sober. Be sober. That means be wide awake. Don't have your senses dulled. Do you know comfort will dull your senses? You get so comfortable in the world and society. You get so comfortable fitting in. Who doesn't like fitting in? Believe it or not, I like to fit in when I can. There's not a whole lot of groups I fit in with. The fashion club rejected me. The intelligent club rejected me. You know, the good looks club rejected me. There's not a whole lot of clubs that I can be a part of. But man, if you find a club where you fit in, it feels good, doesn't it? It feels comfortable, but be careful settling in in this world and letting the comforts of being accepted by the world dull your senses to where you start not noticing things that are dangerous to you and your family. I've never drank alcohol, but I have been to the dentist, and I've had the nitrous oxide that they put on your nose that makes your toes tingle. That's as close to alcohol as I've ever come. And you know, you're sitting there, and there is someone drilling a hole in your tooth while you're awake. They're sticking a needle in your mouth. I declare it's 18 inches long. If you're a dentist, I see the trick that you do. You hide it behind your back, and you come up, and you whoosh, And you just see the guy's arm doing this. And you're thinking, it's going to pop out in here in just a few moments. Or they're going up, and you're thinking, I can feel the needle in my eyeball. It just seems like it's going deeper and deeper. And then after a while, you just keep inhaling that stuff. I mean, look, when the needle comes around, I am sniffing as fast as you could ever sniff. <laughs> Why? I want my senses dulled. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> he fires that up. <laughs> I tell him all the time, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm man enough to admit my faults. I'm a wimp when it comes to pain. <laughs> you know? I want my senses dulled. Why? Because I don't want to feel that pain that's coming my way. <sighs> and then all of a sudden, all that stuff starts kicking in, and your face feels like half of it is swollen. And you feel like your lip is huge. And, and then you get the worst is when you get an itch, and you can't scratch it. 
somehow the itch is being shielded by the, the numb, and you're like, ah, oh, you're going to go crazy. And you're just waiting for it to thaw out, and boy, then it begins to thaw out, and it begins to throb, and the pain begins to come. You see, that's what the devil does. He uses our comfort to get us to the place where our senses are dulled. Man, this doesn't feel so bad. You start cozying up with the world and being around the world. This doesn't feel so bad. But what he does not tell you is when the pain, when the comfort is gone, that's when the pain comes. The prodigal son thought, man, that would feel good to go live there. So he did. He left. He knew his father had rules and his father had structure. He says, no, you're not going to live that way in my house. And so in order to live that way, he had to leave. And for a little while, I'm sure he felt good. Why? His senses had been dulled. He's enjoying the riotous living, but then all of a sudden he's in the mud and the mire and the pig slop. And now the pain begins to throb. Because see, his senses were dulled. Be careful this morning, not taking this lesson out of verse number 8. It's the lesson of the roaring lion. John 15, 19, the Bible says, if the world, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Do you know what Jesus is saying? Don't expect to be comfortable here. Don't expect for the world to ever love you. I, I, I know we want everybody to love us, and I hate it when people don't like me. It really does. My feelings get hurt. Uh, but can I tell you, the world's never going to love you. That ever, the world's never going to embrace the child of God. You name the name of God, they're coming after you. Just understand that God wants you to know you're living in the world of a roaring lion. Understand that. And they hated him. That's why they hate us. So number one, what's the first lesson that we need to live by as we look forward down a road of uncertainty? Well, verse 8 says, it's the lesson of the roaring lion. But then watch, I want to give you good news, okay? The bad news was at the beginning. We're going to go good news from here on out, all right? Look down what it says, okay? Verse number 9, what do we do now? Well, the Bible says, verse 8, there's a roaring lion. Verse 9 says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we see that there is this lesson we need to learn about the roaring lion. And he says, okay, here's what you need to do to combat that in verse 9. It says, whom resist steadfast in the faith? Lesson number 2 this morning, notice the resistant life. Our Father would have us live a resistant life. Here's what's amazing. Verse number 8, you hear about a lion on the loose. What do you want to do? Well, the temptation to be fearful. If I told you this morning there's a lion outside on our property somewhere. Now, I know a few of you. I mean, a few of you have just been waiting for a day like this. You got a gun in your car or maybe even one on you right now, and you just be looking forward to it. Yes, I knew this day would come. You've got this lion bait in your car that you've always had just in case it ever happens. And you're going to tell your wife, see, I told you, that's why I needed to buy that off of Amazon. And you'd run out there. But most people, can I tell you what you're going to do? When you hear there's a lion, you're going to be fearful. You're going to be worried. You're going to be afraid. But notice verse 9, Peter's not saying that. He says, I didn't say this in verse 8 for you to be defeated. I gave you that because I want you to be determined. God wants us to understand we are living in the world of a roaring lion. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who haven't believed. Hey, this is his realm. This is his territory. But here's the good news. The Bible says resist him. Verse number 9, whom resist? Don't forget Romans 8, the Bible says verse 37, nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. God wants us to know the road ahead may be unknown, 
and we have no idea what we're going to face. But don't forget, you're more than a conqueror. That God, through Christ Jesus and his victory on the cross, has given us victory. And not only are we conquerors, we are more than conquerors. That's who God says we are. 1 John 4, 4. I love it. The Bible says, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them. Pause right there. Listen to the grammar. It didn't say you will overcome them. It says you have overcome them. You say, wait a minute. I have, have overcome what I have not faced? Yes. You're like, well, how does that make sense? It's 11.55 in the morning. My brain hasn't woke up just yet. How have I overcome what I haven't faced? You did it through Christ. You did it through Christ. When Christ overcame it on the cross, he did it for you and I, and we have already overcome whatever we're going to face, whether you know it or not. Without a doubt, with this many people in here this morning, somebody in this room, could be me, could be you, is going to face unbelievable heartache one day. Undoubtedly, this many people, you're going to lose a loved one. You're going to have marriage trouble. You're going to have trouble with your kid. You're going to face troubles and trials and struggles. The Bible says, hey, I want you to notice this second lesson. It's the lesson of the resistant life. Yes, there's a roaring lion. And yes, he seeks to devour and overwhelm you. But the answer to that is to live what verse 9 says. Learn this lesson of the resistant life. You see, at some point, your spiritual survival is going to boil down to your spiritual resistance. At some point, the only way you're going to survive is to learn to say no spiritually. My wife taught me that word. You say what? The word no. I used to say yes to everything. Hey, could you come by and fix my toilet? Yeah, absolutely. I could do that. I know how to do that. Uh, hey, could you build this? Hey, could you come check on this? This is while I'm pastoring. And I would say yes, 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 yes. And after a while, I'm so frazzled because I'm out of time and don't have time to study. But, I, hey, these folks need this, so I'm going to try to do what I can. And my wife came to me one day, and she says, you've got to learn to say no. You've got to learn to say no every once in a while. I'm still learning that one. It's hard for me to say no to ice cream. It's hard for me to say no to candy. You know, we all have things we have trouble saying no to. But your spiritual survival is dependent upon you learning to say no. What did he say? There's a line in verse 8, don't be scared. What do you do? Verse 9, learn to resist. Resist. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Can I tell you what the word resist simply means? Refuse the excuse. Refuse the excuse. You are going to be given every excuse in the world not to stand for God. You're going to be every, given every excuse in the world not to walk with him. Uh, hey, let's boil it down on something we can all understand. You're going to be given every excuse in the world not to read your Bible. Isn't it amazing? I mean, you'll be sitting there trying to read through your Bible in the whole year. We're almost to the end. I hope you stuck with that. And all of a sudden, you look out in your yard, and it looks like a meteorite just fell out of the sky in the backyard. The length Satan will go to keep you from reading your Bible. Look, there's a Bigfoot, or there goes a UFO. It's amazing. He offers excuse after excuse after excuse. And the only way you're going to live through what we're going to face is to learn to refuse the excuse. That no matter what excuse he gives me for not going to church, reading my Bible, being faithful, and by the way, he's going to give you plenty. And some of them may be even sitting in this room. Some of them may even be preaching to you. I'm sure I will give you an excuse. Hey, I may say something backwards from time to time. I might hurt your feelings from time to time. If I do, please let me know where I can apologize. But to be honest, there's going to be plenty of excuses. 
But your only hope of overcoming the roaring lion is resisting the excuses that come your way not to do what God would have you to do. That's the only way you're going to survive. I think about Joseph, how God used him. You know why God used Joseph? He learned to resist. Here come Potiphar's wife. Oh, and she was pretty. Potiphar's wife comes up to Joseph and tries to get him to lay with her. And Joseph just ran out of there like a scalded dog. Why? He wanted to live. You know, sin brings forth what? Death. Joseph says, I got to get out of here. You know, there was an excuse, there was the opportunity, but Joseph resisted. You see, I can't do that for you, you can't do it for me. God's not going to make you. At some point, you got to decide that I want to live through whatever I'm going to face, and that begins with you learning to say no. I'm going to learn to resist whatever comes my way and tries to excuse me from doing the will of God in my life. I think about Daniel. Oh, my goodness, did God use Daniel? Daniel was given opportunity not to do what he knew he was supposed to do. Daniel's by himself. Daniel was all alone in that lion's den. You know why God used Daniel? He learned to resist. Here's the sad truth. We are more ready to resist God than we are the roaring lion. We're more ready to do that. We're more ready to resist what God wants for us in our life than we are the lion who seeks to destroy us. God says, look, I want to give you an abundant life and we resist him. Satan wants to end our life and we embrace him. Folks, we got to learn this lesson in verse number nine. It's the lesson of the resistant life. That's why God used Joseph. That's why God used Daniel. When Peter was told not to preach, what did he say? Not obey God rather than man. What was he doing? He was resisting. He was resisting. James 1.12, the Bible says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Endureth temptation. Endurance is when you choose to reject and resist the excuse. That's what endurance is. You know, maybe you've been on a diet or maybe you've been trying to work out and build up some muscle or get healthy heading into the new year. And hey, I think that'd be good for all of us to work on that, I'm sure, at some point in our life. The hardest part is endurance. Resisting the excuse to quit. You know, you, you think, oh, I'd like to lose some weight. And you start looking at the calendar. Look, Thursday's Thanksgiving. You're going to lose weight around Thanksgiving? Really? Come on. That's not even being honest with yourself. And then the turkey sandwiches with mayonnaise and salt and pepper. Something about the turkey when it sits a few days in the fridge makes the best sandwiches in the world. I can't do that. I mean, we've thrown away good food. There's people around the world who don't even get a turkey. And now I'm throwing, no, I'm not throwing it away. I'm going to eat every bit of that turkey. You get spiritual with it. That makes me feel better. Well, then, you know, we got Christmas. You're going to have this ham come around and then sweet potato casserole and, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the onion cake or whatever that stuff's called, you know, the casserole, green bean casserole, the onions on it, all that. And I just can't say no to that. And then my birthday's in January and my wife says too. And then by, by after a while, you've gone six months of accepting excuses. Why not? Now, look, I, I hope we all stay physically healthy, but uh, that's between you and, and you but spiritually healthy is between you and God. And the only way you're going to get spiritually healthy is learn to do what verse 9 says. Resist. Resist. Now, note, I want you to see something real quick. It says, resist steadfast in the faith. Resist steadfast in the faith. You see, resistance is a spiritual thing. 
You can't fight the devil physically. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You can't fight the devil like this. You can't learn Taekwondo and become a spiritual ninja to take out the devil. It doesn't work that way. You only fight him spiritually. The reason that we're losing our homes and our children, the reason we lose in our country today is because we haven't learned to resist in the faith. Our faith is shallow. We're not very spiritual. The devil knows that. That's why the roaring lion's roaring so much. He knows we're in his territory and we're weak. I think about how many Christians I know. Let me show you what their life looks like. They live this cycle of revival and retreat. Revival and retreat. You ever been there? I've been there. You have a high water mark. Things are going good. Man, you read your Bible three days in a row. You came to four church services in a row. You're like, whoo, I'm doing good. And next thing you know, you fall off the map. Next thing you know, I'm going to work my way back six months later. You get back in church. You're doing good. You even come to Sunday school. Things are going great, man. You're spiking higher this time. And all of a sudden, you fall back down. Watch. Seen it too many times. I know people who live their entire Christian existence that way. And they die that way. Up and down and up and down. Can I tell you what makes the difference between revival and retreat? Here it comes. Resistance. When they were at the place of revival, walking with God, here comes the devil, offers them an excuse. And by the way, it might even be a good excuse. The devil could give you a good one. It even makes spiritual sense. And all of a sudden, you accept the excuse and you bottom out. And now you're totally out of church. Why? Because I didn't like that. Because that didn't feel good. I get it. Sometimes it doesn't feel good to preach and you don't smile, but I come back anyway. Folks, hear me out this morning. There's some lessons to live by here. Number one, it's the lesson of the roaring lion. Number two, verse nine, it's the lesson of the resistant life. At some point, you got to say no. Now, by the way, who's the author of this? It's Peter. It's Peter. Can we go back in Peter's life and see at any time when he didn't resist? The Garden of Gethsemane, the denial of Christ. Peter says, man, I walked on water. None of us can say we did that. Maybe if we did go on a diet, we could get close. But, you know, just put that out there. And then he denied Christ. What happened in the middle of Peter's high point and his low point? He didn't resist. He didn't resist. You know why Peter didn't resist? He wanted to be comfortable. He wanted to be comfortable. Folks, you get to the place in your life where you want to be comfortable in this life. And amongst this world, you can, but I promise you the pain's going to come later. We use the phrase a lot, I couldn't resist. You ever use that phrase? I was at the store the other day, and uh, I keep candy in my office for the kids, and every once in a while for myself. I use the kids as an excuse. Went to Dollar General, and I saw clearance candy. My wife sent me there just to get a couple of things, and sitting in there and I saw the clearance this and clearance that and I come walking in as usual you ask my wife, come walking in as usual should have been carrying one thing and I'm carrying bags, she says what's that I said it's candy for the kids candy for the kids I just couldn't resist clearance Walmart has sniffed people like me and you out they now put clearance stuff on stuff that's the same price as it was regularly well, did you see this, it's two bucks it was two bucks, regular price or maybe they knocked the dime off of it. Like, man, that's a good deal. I got to get that. I just couldn't resist. You know, the truth of the matter is, it's not I couldn't resist. The truth is, I wouldn't resist. Because the Bible says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. 
The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and I'll give you the last thing. Our we- the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. This is a spiritual battle. You've got to learn to resist spiritually. Your willpower is no good here. You may have the most willpower of anybody I know. Hey, that's great if you do, but only spiritual willpower is going to help you resist when that roaring lion comes. So what are the lessons to live by? Number one, the roaring lion. Get that lesson. Don't get comfortable here. Number two, verse nine, the resistant life. Learn to say no. Whatever the devil offers you to get out of church, you tell him no. Why? Well, look down. He says in verse nine, whom re, or verse 10, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. You say, well, verse 8 sounds scary. Verse 9 sounds hard. What incentive is there for me? Well, the incentive is verse number 10. He ends on an encouraging note. He says that after all of this is done, God will strengthen, establish, and settle us. This is the third lesson I'll give you before we close. Notice the reward of lasting. The reward of lasting. Verse 10 shows you what you find on the other side of resisting. And it's beautiful. The Bible says that God will make us perfect. That means complete. Establish us, strengthen, and settle you. Can I tell you the last part of verse 10 is the life God calls us to live. A life that is complete, perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. That's the life that God calls us to live. That's what he desires for us. Here's what Peter's saying. You must last if you want to live. You must last if you want to live. He said, the lion's coming, verse 8. Number 9, you've got to learn to resist. And the Bible says that after you resist for a while, that God will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. But there's a word in verse 10 I need you to see before we close. The Bible says, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, comma, it's the very next word. It's the word after. After. After what? Well, it says, after that ye have suffered a while. Can I tell you, the middle of part of verse number 10 is why so many Christians give up for comfort. They give up. I'm going to quit trying this. I'm going to quit trying to be separate from the world. I'm going to I'm just quit trying. Why? Because there's suffering involved. Who wants that? But the Bible says that after we've suffered a while, that's when God makes us perfect, establishes, strengthens, and settles us get this before we close oftentimes hardness is the hurdle that stands between you and the hope that you're looking for hardness that's hard I don't want to suffer I don't want to go through the difficulty I look it says I might have to suffer a while how long is that I don't know can I tell you this is verse 10 is why peer pressure wins that's why peer pressure wins Verse number 10, you look at it, this is why conforming to the world wins. This is why quitting wins. Why? Because it's hard. I don't want to suffer. But the Bible says after we've suffered, after we've gone through that, there's a reward. What is it? That we're established, strengthened, and settled. Could that mean, could we just read that in reverse? This is why we're not established, strengthened, and settled. Think about the phrase. I think all of us want our story to end the way the storybooks do, right? Yeah, they all lived happily ever after. 
He says, the happily ever is after, all right? In the Christian life, the happily ever, it's after. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through struggles. You're going to have to go through it. It doesn't mean life's not going to be hard. But oftentimes, hardness is the hurdle we got to get over to find the hope of being established, strengthened, and settled. Is that not why Job went through his fire? What did he say? Job 23, when he hath tried me, trying is hard. It's hot. It's tough. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job says, I see the happy on the other side of the hardness. Hebrews 12, 12 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. Where does that come? The Bible says it's afterward. Afterward. Can I tell you what I was convicted about as I prepared for, to preach today? How many times did I quit because it was hard? And because it was uncomfortable and missed out on the opportunity to be established, settled, and strengthened. God was standing on the other side of the hard parts of my life. And he had that established life, that settled life, that strengthened life. He was waiting there. And I just decided that hurdle's too high. I don't want to climb that one. And that's why all of a sudden we find ourselves not established, weak, and not settled in our life. Can I tell you, God wants you to be settled this morning. God wants you to be settled. God wants you to be settled even if you're looking forward and you can't tell what the road ahead holds. God wants you to be settled, but you might have to go through a little bit of hard. That's the reward of lasting. I know as a pastor, I want you to live. I want your family to live I want your kids to live. I want our church to live. But can I tell you, there comes a point in your life where you have to decide that. That I am going to resist. That I am going to reject any excuse. It doesn't matter how tough things get. I'm going to reject the excuse to quit on God. I'm not going to quit on God. Why? Because I want the life that's strengthened, settled, and established. Who wouldn't want that? God says, I have that for you today. But you need to learn the lessons to live by. Number one, we're living in the territory of a roaring lion. Be careful when you start getting comfortable in this world. Be careful, start settling down in this world to where all of a sudden the world doesn't seem so bad. And instead of coming out from among them, you're drawing closer to them. Be careful. You're getting comfortable in an area where there's a roaring lion. And he's coming for your children, your home, your family. He's coming for you. The good news is, God says, the second lesson is to learn to live that resistant life. At some point, you got to say no. At some point, when he offers you an excuse, you got to say no. It doesn't matter what it is. It's going to cost you what? That's the reward of lasting. The opportunity to be established, settled, and strengthened in your life. So what does the road ahead hold? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I know that by God's grace and according to his word, I can live through it. I can live through it. And if a Nero assumes the throne in our world, I can live through it. Why? Because he's given me the power to resist. He's given me the power to be established in my life. But that call is yours and it's mine. Our heads are bowed this morning and eyes are closed. I want you to stand to your feet just for a few moments. We're going to have a time of invitation. I wonder this morning, number one, have you gotten comfortable in this world? Have you grown close to this world? Have you conformed to this world? You see, that's just about when that lion pounces, when you have no idea that he's right there. 
he's coming for you. Learn the lesson to live by the roaring lions there. Don't get comfortable in this world. Number two, learn the resistant life. Learn to say no. I'm going to reject any excuse from doing what God's called me to do. And then last, don't quit on God. Don't quit on God. No matter how hard things are, don't quit on God. No matter what excuse you give, don't quit on God. There's a reward once we get past that hardness. Maybe you're here this morning and all of that sounds good, but you're not even sure that you're saved. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? That peace, that reward, all that our Father offers us, that strength is only through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior today? Do you know that heaven's your home? If you get to do that, well, I'd beg you this morning. I wouldn't delay. I wouldn't delay. I'd come down, ask somebody to take a Bible and show me how I can know for sure that heaven's my home. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And, Lord, what a blessing it is to be able to go to it. Questions are asked because I don't have the answer. What's the road ahead look like? I have no idea. What's going to happen in politics and elections? I don't know. But, Father, I do know that whatever comes my way, I can live through it because you've given me some lessons to live by. Lord, help me not get comfortable here. Help me, Father, when I see uh, wickedness and immorality in our world to hear the roar of the lion. Lord, he's roaring and roaring loud. Lord, help me to be on edge. Lord, to be sober and be vigilant to protect my home and my heart and my family. Lord, help us not get comfortable here. And then, Lord, help us to learn how to resist. Let's reject the excuses. Whatever the excuse we have for not reading our Bible, going to church, being faithful, being right with you, help us reject those today, Father, that we could go through that time of toughness and the things that are hard to find the reward. Lord, I pray we'd be established, strengthened, and settled in the road ahead. And if there's one lost here today, I pray that, Lord, they'd come and be saved before it's too late for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed for a few minutes. Altars open. Let's start from the back this morning. Are you established, strengthened, and settled? If not, could it be that you haven't been willing to do the uncomfortable, to suffer a while? It's going to be hard. I'll have to change my life. I'll have to make some alterations in how I live. But you know what? I'm willing to go through the hard spots to find the reward of lasting. I beg you this morning, don't quit on God. Don't quit on his will. I know it's hard. I know you're going through a tough time. Hey, stick with it this morning. Faithful is he that is promised. I wouldn't let it. The difficulty cost me my home. I wouldn't let the uncomfortable cost me God's will. Resolve like Job. I'm going to go through the trying. I'm going to go through the fire. I'm going to go through the discomfort because I know on the other side of the trying there's gold. And that's a lesson I'm going to live by. have another verse I wonder this morning is Satan offering you an excuse 
And right now it may seem good. I assure you, after a while, your senses will wake up from being dulled. After a while, the pain will begin to come. thankful we have a father who's given us in advance what we need but it's up to us to use what he's given us God's told us this morning of what we can do to make sure that regardless of what comes our way that we uh, are sustained and established through that and I pray that you and your family would be that in spite of all that we might go through in the future here in our country a few things I want to mention before we give you the announcements just to clarify they told me I may need to clarify some things before I give you that I want to remind you uh, within our church family this week uh, as far as people that uh, we have within our sphere of influence. We had three deaths this week uh, within our church family. You pray for those folks that are grieving. I uh, had Miss Wells' funeral earlier in the week. Uh, pray for those. And then also this week, it's kind of been a, a little bit of an uptick more than usual. We had three or four folks in our church in the hospital. Be sure you're praying for them and checking in on them. Let them know you love them and you, you wish them uh, uh, to be back with us soon. Uh, real quickly, tonight uh, between 4 and 5 o'clock, uh, we're going to uh, restart our men's prayer room in the home builder's room. Uh, my dad's going to head that up and have an opportunity for prayer for our church and praying for our road ahead as God leads our church and grows our church. So I want to encourage all of our men to come. If you're not in the choir or any other part, come in there and take part in that. They're not going to ask you to preach, I promise. Uh, but boy, I tell you, prayer is always something we could uh, use more of. So be here for that. And then after the service tonight is our pumpkin fellowship. Uh, bring your favorite pumpkin recipes tonight. We're going to have a good time of food in the fellowship. It will be in the fellowship hall. We're going to open up things to where we can uh, have both rooms and be able to use that. And then one final announcement. Next Sunday is our kickoff to Christmas. It's going to kick off our Christmas season. Next Sunday night, we're having a big outreach for our entire community. Uh, unlike our outdoor service, which is more of an intimate time for our people, uh, next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to have the big Coke Caravan Christmas truck come in with food trucks. We're going to have a wonderful time of fellowship, uh, and that will be at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. Because of that, rivaling our church times and when we can get things together, next Sunday morning, we're going to throw everything into chaos, okay? Listen closely. I'm going to say it one time. We will not have a 5 o'clock service next week. Instead, we will have an early service at 945 and then another service at 11. So no Sunday school next week, all right? If you don't like it, you can tell me about it in an email, okay? Uh, 945, we're going to have a service. It's going to be a very special service, much different than what we normally have at 11. Uh, and then 11, we'll have our regular service. So 945 and 11, we'll have two services and then no service at 5 o'clock. I do want you to be here. We have a lot of visitors from our community. We've been advertising it. A lot of people know. A lot of people are going to be coming to that. We have special gospel tracks made just for that event. And I need our church here to welcome our community in. Uh, and that way we have an opportunity to share the gospel with folks. Amen? All right, listen to these.